Hello, welcome back to Therapy Insiders Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. All right, let's keep going on our future theme. And this week, we're kind of going into the future of technology, some business, uh, a combination of really a lot of things that uh, will be really, really valuable. But it's also the future of a company and and a pretty big company in the physical therapy world and beyond, uh, which is WebPT. And this is the future of the company because we on this podcast have the privilege, honor to introduce the new CEO of WebPT, Nancy Ham, to the community. And, and Nancy has an awesome history, a lot of experience, and a really cool story that she shares in this podcast. And then we really delve into technology, we delve into business aspects, and we cover so much that it, it really evolves into an episode on business fundamentals. It talks about, obviously, uh, things that will be upcoming, that we think will be upcoming in the profession, and things that are supported by data and trends. And it's a really, really powerful episode, and I think you, you'll find a lot of value in understanding what's on the horizon. So without further ado, Let's get into it with WebPT's Heidi Janenga and the new CEO, Nancy Ham. Enjoy. to Therapy Insiders Podcast. Dr. Gene Shirakabrad here, continuing our little mini-series focusing on the future. So last week, um, we had Kelly Starrett on, and we covered a lot. Again, we, we talked for, for way too long, so if you listen to the whole hour and a half episode, um, good on you. Uh, I'm impressed, whether you're just doing circles around the block, listening to the whole thing, or you split it up into several days. But we covered a ton. We focused on physical therapy. We talked about fitness. We talked about awareness. Um, it, it was a lot of stuff. So this week, we're going to shift gears a little bit, focusing on the future, but we're going to touch on physical therapy, technology, business growth, and really seeing where we're headed um, as a profession in, in maybe some, some unique uh, respects and perspectives. And the guest today to, to really shine a light on that are Dr. Heidi Janenga, president of WebPT, and uh, I don't know if I should still say new or fairly recent CEO of WebPT, Nancy Ham. Is, is it still new or is it recent? Has that transition happened? Well, this is week four, so I guess I get to be new for another week or two, and then we'll transition to recent. Okay, fair enough. Well, well th- thanks, for, uh, thanks for being on the podcast. I'm, I'm really, really excited. To, to kind of pick your brains and uh, hear what you have to share with us. Delighted to be us. here. So um, I've spoken to Heidi a bunch of times. So n- not to say that I don't want to hear from her. We, we just <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna pause on her for a little bit because we we've shared a lot of you've been a guest on the show twice, I believe maybe three times. I'm not really good with numbers. Um, and we always obviously we always chat when we get together at conferences or share Uber rides, which are um, in- incredible conversations. Absolutely. Uh, the, the joys of my conferences, the in-depth <laughs> combos. But but Nancy, you just came on to WebPT. You have this um, awesome company that, that you're helping to lead. 
can you share kind of your, your history leading up to this point and really really what you saw in what PT that made you want to jump in into the company and really the physical therapy industry? Well, to start with my background, I've been in healthcare IT for more than 20 years now and always in technology businesses and usually in businesses uh, focused on solving data or connectivity gaps and helping uh, individual providers be successful in their partnerships with one another and with large back-end players like payers, uh, lab companies, pharma companies, etc. Uh, my very first company was a true startup. I was employee number 23, the founding CFO. That company was called Actimed, um, really was pioneering in creating clinical connectivity for lab order entry results reporting, getting that off of paper and into a workflow that makes sense to those clinicians. Uh, mission critical, of course, uh, because delivering lab results. And that company, we grew and we grew and we were on the verge of going public when we decided to instead to merge with another company called Healthion. Uh, Healthion founded by John Doerr from Kleiner Perkins, pretty well-known venture capitalist, Jim Clark, uh, maybe arguably the real father of the internet with Netscape, and we went public then as Healthion. So that was the beginning uh, of my career. Uh, Healthion went on to grow very, very significantly, culminating in a four-way simultaneous merger to become WebMD. Yeah, that was really a, a fun uh, first arc. It was the height of the first internet boom. So really working to digitize things from paper to electronic or to modernize. Uh, we took over a bunch of DOS products, I, I'll date myself, and <laughs> moved them to the then, you know, internet to this web thing and made them, we lost you know. like 90% of our audience with the DOS. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, you know, that happens when you've uh, been around doing this for a long time. Um, and then from that experience, which was incredible, I reunited with one of the founders of uh, the first company, Actimed, and moved into the revenue cycle management business. A uh, small public company called Proximed. Uh, we really helped that company grow to be number two in the industry. And what I loved about that company was we were helping small physician practices stay independent, be financially successful, and navigate some pretty big changes at the time because that's when that industry, all the standards were changing and all the payers were you know, really coming online. Um, that company ultimately uh, became uh, renamed Capario and last year was ultimately bought by uh, Change Healthcare. So revenue cycle management, which is an important component of how we help our members here at WebPT. Um, then just two, three more companies, that's the problem when you've been doing this for a long time. Um, Centillion was all about clinical workflow. We manage the clinical desktops in hospitals. So really understanding each clinician's individual preferences for which applications they used, where in that application did their individual workflow start, managing single sign-on and patient context management. And that was all about being mission critical. So we did all of our updates at 3 a.m. in the morning. Um, we always had an executive on call because if we had a problem, we locked the clinical workstations of the hospital. So that gave me awesome experience about being mission critical, about being you know, uptime like WebPT, 99.99%. You know, I really learned a lot about those nines 
and it taught me a, a lot about the criticality of workflow and how every clinician is different and you have to figure out how not to be just sort of this you know generic one size fits all which i think is again you know something you'll hear that really attracted me to web pt is just that uh, purpose uh, fit then um, got really interested in data big data of course is a big theme in our industry how do you what data do you need first of all how do you gather it how do you protect it how do you analyze it how do you use it to drive population health analytics so you can really illuminate both your performance but also understand your opportunities to improve and i certainly think you know now looking at value-based care the drive for data-driven ROI for data-driven outcomes is crucial. And uh, I learned a lot there about how providers react when you start to benchmark them and compare them to their peers. And um, the fierceness with which they pay attention then to your methodology. Um, the first thing that every single one of them said is, well, you don't understand my patients are sicker. And we said, well, yes, we've actually adjusted for that. And here's how you compare. So I learned a lot about how to do outcomes in a way that is supportive and helpful. And I think that's gonna be a big part of our future, you know, at WebPT in supporting our uh, members in that way. And then lastly, um, I was at Medicity, which is a leader in clinical data exchange, uh, 5 billion clinical transactions a year. So HL7, interoperability, open data exchanges, you know, um, really a fun business to be in and while there I got very focused on what I call the complete clinically connected community. Everybody's been so focused for 20 years on helping hospitals and physicians or helping hospitals talk to physicians but so much of the care is provided in the broader community. So much of the cost is in outpatient and post-acute. So much of the issues are either mitigated or created in those downstream environments. And so I did a lot of work connecting with home health, with hospice, and I got very interested in physical therapy. So that's a very long answer to your very short question about uh, my background. No, not at all. I, I thought that, that was excellent. And it really, what's really cool about hearing that your story, your professional story, is really that interconnectivity and the consistency that carries on from from job to job and and, and leading up to now because it, it really is clear for me because obviously I, I know Heidi and then WebPT and um, it, it, it's pretty clear that I don't have to go out on a limb to say that you're you're with WebPT because you see the importance of of data and data understanding and um, if if we look at the even social media, social media companies like Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter, uh, th they are essentially data mining companies with pretty exteriors that are addictive for people to use. So the, the importance of, of data is, is, I don't want to say understated, but I think it's, it's um, underestimated at this point, especially for, for the healthcare or, or everyday healthcare professionals that are kind of in their own little bubble of what they have to do. So uh, Heidi, We've obviously we've talked about outcomes. We've talked about data. H how do we make this data relevant, and and really bring out the importance of it to really drive the the profession forward? 
Yeah, and you, you brought up a good point that data has been uh, somewhat absent in the conversation, I think. Um, it, it, it's becoming a louder voice in healthcare in general, but I think it's specifically in our profession, in our industry, it's been absent. And there's almost been a bit of a fear uh, around that. And if you look at sort of the path um, you know, of why the electronic medical record um, and digital documentation was really introduced, it was for that, right? So that you could actually mine and have access to data that we never had before. And what WebPT has brought to the table being a web-based application um, and the first in the industry to do that was, was not only um, you know, bring a, an improved workflow and, and access to that data much easier. But with a, with a with a web-based application, you now have one aggregated uh, database full of data versus the client-server systems that um, are still you know in use. That each station houses that that data versus having it all in aggregate, where you can actually take a look and slice it up as a whole. Um, and so now that we, we really feel like we probably have one of the largest contiguous data sets in, of physical therapy data that's in existence, definitely in the United States, but potentially even in the world. Um, as a, and as we start down this path of um, you know, really understanding the gold mine that we, uh, we are sitting on and, and how to specifically use that, um, it's really, uh, it takes a lot of responsibility on our part to make sure that we're truly driving value for the profession and uh, making sure we're answering questions that um, are going to show that value, right? That, that the other providers, insurance companies, and, and the like are going to be asking and, and wanting to know about physical therapists. We're partnering right now with um, a few universities to sort of kick off um, some of our, dip our toe, if you will, in, in the research side of things, um, utilizing our data, which I think is extremely important. Um, but at the end of the day, we are advocates for the industry and advocates for physical therapists. Um, and so what we want to be able to do is, is paint a picture of value um, that you know we are offering in that low-cost, high-quality uh, provider that we're trying to, to you know, brand ourselves as physical therapists. I think you've made some, some r really interesting points. Um, and to make to make the a further connection, even even to Nancy's, if we talk about the, the story that Nancy shared with her career and every company that she's been part of, the startup companies and the, the acquisitions, the mergers, the growth, um, we're kind of going through that now. I, I tweeted out a statistic about the physical therapy industry, like it's a $32 billion industry at this point. Um, it's projected to grow 34% by 2024, and there's like a, a 1.2 or something percent unemployment rate. So it's, whatever people complain about and the doom and gloom is, is very much projections of interpersonal problems, I think, or, or business problems. Overall, as an industry, we are growing and, and we are scaling. I don't know if we're really evolving fast enough for that. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And we um, we definitely have a lot of opportunity. It's about seizing the moment. Um, and, you know, I'm just so excited to have, 
you know, an executive of the caliber of Nancy to see that opportunity with WebPT and the and, and the opportunity that we not only have with this with this company, but you know, the platform. We're now not we're not just an EMR anymore. We are a true software platform. Um, and having you know someone who has the experience. Um, that she has had in multiple disciplines and at a much higher level scale to see the opportunity that we have sitting in front of us in physical therapy is just is so awesome. Um, I mean, just listening to her background, you can see the connections with the interconnectivity, the um, you know the data mining, the RCM component, um, and you know that we've kind of really been working on this trifecta of, of the data components of really being able to marry up the clinical data with the outcomes and then you add in the cost of care through the billing process. You put all those three things together and now you have um, you know all the elements to really paint a very, very awesome picture for physical therapy. Absolutely. I mean, you nailed it. The opportunities are immense in the field. So, Nancy, with again, with, with the career you've had and and the success and, and seeing the pattern, I don't think, again, I don't have to go out on a limb to say that you, you don't jump into WebPT to be an executive because it's it's a reclamation project or you're bored <laughs> or, or something like that. You see the potential in this, right? The, the executives that I've had on this podcast that are extremely successful or are, are looking to, to take on something else, they don't go like, oh, you know, I had a really good career, so I'm just going to... Who's going to take on <laughs> some, some, some little startup challenge? It just doesn't work like that. So, from, from a fresh perspective, from kind of coming from medicine and technology, but jumping into the PT profession, what, what do you see? What, what kind of opportunities do you see? Well, first, I have to start by saying that as an individual, as a caregiver to my family, to my elder patients, you know, I, I'm a true believer in our, this industry, in physical therapy. I'm currently a physical therapy patient, seeing a phenomenal therapist. So it- Is that a job requirement? Can't, can't become a CEO of WebPT you know, unless you pick a PT person. We heard her the first day, so she could actually go see a therapist. <laughs> I think that's actually true. But, um, you know, I did come with a real belief in this industry and how it can impact lifelong patient health you know, whether it's a sports injury when you're in your 20s, whether it's a joint replacement when you're in your 60s, whether it's post-acute rehab, you know, at different intervals. So I start with a true believer. And as you said, it's an enormous industry, more than 200,000 practitioners, you know, more than $30 billion. And what I see is uh, the opportunity to do what happened in medicine, but to do it better. So I've lived through the growth and consolidation, the upscaling, the drive to data that physicians have gone through. And I've spent really the last 10 years uh, living inside value-based care. And what do you need to be successful? How do you create networks? How do you share data? How do you create benchmarks that are meaningful? that you can um, measure and tie to what we all want to do, right, which is improving patient health. So I have seen this uh, uh, playbook a little bit before and seen a lot of mistakes that have made along the way. And to your point, one of the things that was really exciting about WebPT is what a fantastic company it already is. I've done reclamation projects. Um, I've been hired to fix things that were broken or turn around a situation. 
And what was what is beautiful about WebPT is we're just building from strength to strength. You know, the company that Heidi and Brad founded, the culture that they created that is just such a real thing about us, the community of our members blows me away. I got to go to PPS my fourth day on the job and to meet so many of our members and to hear their um, their support for the company, their investment in the company, and their thirst to come together with us and with other members to drive this industry forward, that's just really unusual. Um, you've seen the stats of, hot, of physician EMRs. Physicians don't like them. 50% of ambulatory physicians say they want to replace the EMR that they just so painfully and expensively bought. Um, I think only one ambulatory physician EMR even has a positive net promoter score. So I was expecting to come into this wonderful company and meet uh, customers who would give me a lot of to-do items. And they certainly have ideas around innovation, but what they didn't give me was a list of complaints. What they gave me was a list of names, a list of their WebPT team. And they said, oh yeah, this person is my go-to person when I onboarded, and this person is my expert for this. And I was so struck by every single customer I met, they gave me a list of names and not a list of complaints. It was awesome. It is, it is a different culture, and we've highlighted this a bunch of times that two, two companies can be right next door to each other, have the same exact product, and one will be immensely more successful than the other because of the the little intangibles from leadership to day-to-day -day practices to integration of what they they feel like a company should be and you know that that comes down and that's a unique thing what kind of what kind of cultural elements and uh, start start with Nancy and then Heidi can share as well what kind of cultural elements have you seen through your travels that yeah. WebPT maybe has some of those patterns that you've seen from incredibly successful companies and some unique elements that, that you, you're starting to see early on? Well, culture is like families, right? No two cultures are the same, nor should they be. A really successful culture is purposeful. And one of the things I loved was Heidi and Brad, early on in the company, brought the entire company, which I think was less than 50 people at the time, to say, who are we? What do we want to be? What are our core values? And they wrote them down, and it's been unwavering ever since. And so when you have that framework from birth, when you hire and reinforce and train into that framework, you know, it, it is your DNA. Um, I really love the eight core values, um, and I see them in action. I see, you know, true grit. I see health and wellness. I see certainly devotion to service and creating raving fans. And to me, culture creates empowerment because Heidi can't be on every phone call, she can't be in every customer interaction, but through our culture she has imprinted on all of us, how would she want us to do that? How would she want us to act in that situation? And there's a powerful reinforcing dynamic that develops when you have employees who are value-driven, on the front lines, feeling empowered to do great work to serve the customers, well, that just flows back then into happy customers help us you know, grow our community and we gain more customers. And so growth becomes this very positive reinforcing engine, uh, which is really cool. But it starts you know, with Heidi because 
Heidi and I had a very unusual process because normally when you meet, you have you know resumes out on the table and you you know you know do a very standard set of interview questions. And I think from the first moment we met, we just started having a conversation because it was a lot around who are you, what are your values, how do you make decisions around serving customers, and we just clicked from the beginning. And Heidi has um, put a lot of thought and time into talking about conscious leadership, which I'd love for her to talk about, but that's just reflected in every aspect of this wonderful company that I'm just privileged to join. So Heidi didn't ask any weird like Silicon Valley questions? You know, she did ask. Like if you were a leopard in, in the tundra <laughs> and you get to choose what color eyes you, you have, what color would you choose? <laughs> She did ask me how I would calculate the grains of sand on all the beaches in the world, but... Um... That's a standard question. <laughs> no, I do have a standard one that I asked, but I don't think that we ever actually got around to that. I'm a, I'm a spirit animal. My, my, my question is the spirit animal question. Um, Can I tell you about which... a super, super weird spirit animal story? It's a complete tangent, but it's the weirdest yeah. thing that ever happened to me in my life. <clears throat> this was this was an undergrad and I had a philosophy from around the world class and the professor was some really established uh, person in the field so we we got to um, shaman class and we were talking about shamanism and medicine doctors and she brought a real one in and so we were supposed to fast for like 12 hours right we, we skipped the whole opioid thing that they usually use uh, probably gonna be a good idea on campus but so it, it was a I went to a small private liberal arts school and it was like 25 of us in the class. We were in, in the gym. So we had to lie down, we had to close our eyes. The shaman was there. You had to imagine yourself at a place that um, you, you like, you're comfortable. So imagine the beach. So you had to lie down and you had to start digging a hole in the, whatever place you were in the ground. So I start digging the sand, like visualizing this, and the shaman starts playing his music, right? And so then you have to start covering your face, your head with the earth or wherever you are. So I'm like, I'm like in my in my head, like covering myself with sand, and then all of a sudden I sit up and I'm like looking around the room, and everybody's like down. So it, it, I was there, but I wasn't. And I know this this sounds insane. And I'm looking around, and I turn my head, and there's this gigantic Native American guy with a wool totem pole hat with a wolf on top. Wow. I'm, I'm, that's it. Like, at this point, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm asleep. I'm having, you know, I'm, I haven't eaten anything. My blood You're sugar. You're smoking I'm the peace pipe. Exactly, without anything there. It's like I'm having the effects without having the fun of it. So, but then my body starts to, like, convulse. It's, like, throbbing. And I, I don't even know why I'm telling the story because everyone's going to think I'm crazy. But it, I, it, he stops playing the music. It felt like this happened for 45 seconds, right? And this, this was like 45 seconds. She's like, did it? And it turned out to be 30 minutes of him playing this music. And wow. so she's like, did anybody see anything? So naturally, I don't raise my hand. I was like, look, I just had a bad dream. I'm hungry. I'm like, I'm going to lunch. Screw you guys. I'm going to lunch. This is crazy. <laughs> uh, so the next day, I was just too curious. The curiosity got the best of me. I went to talk to her. And I explained what I saw, and she's like, well, explain the hat to me. Tell me about the hat. So I explained the hat like it's burned into my brain. I still, I could still probably close my eyes and, and, and picture it. So she goes to her library, picks out a book, starts flipping through some pages. She turns to a Native American tribe with 
and the shaman was wearing the same exact hat that I saw. Like Whoa. every detail exactly how I explained it. I've never seen that before in my life until until that moment. So she said that my power animal is the wolf. That's a medicinal tribe. And she's like, are you thinking about getting into a medical profession? I was like, well, yeah, I'm probably going to go into physical therapy. She's like, yeah, that's probably a good choice. So that's my, my power animal story. That's wow. a story. Next, next year, she was like, she, she contacted me. She's like, do you want to, I'm doing this again. Do you want to do it? I was like, hell no. I don't want to do it. Are you crazy? <laughs> what if he comes well, over, was... grabs me by the hand and says, let's go? I was like, no. <laughs> Well, I'd say you 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 might pass our test um, and be able to become a a, a WebPT part of WebPT in the future. There, yes, <laughs> totally worth it. Yeah, well, but to getting sort of getting back to to culture. Oh, thank God, <laughs> thank God you're here. But um, you know, it is very purposeful it's intentional um through our from our job postings and and the wording that we have in our job postings to the interview process we have a, a you know a, a multiple um, interview process where it's not just with a hiring manager it's you know a, a screening process to um you know multiple tiered interviews um, including a peer interview which we think is very important because at the end of the day those are the folks that you're going to be sitting side by side with working um, and then um, I think our new head of HR put it best to me um, in, in how, you know, he sort of viewed after, you know, being here for a few weeks of, of how our culture works, that our culture really, and, and Nancy described it as empowerment, um, and, and he described it as freedom, that our culture really drives the ability for you to know what is right and wrong, what is expected of you, without having to have this, you know, 150-page policies and procedure manual that, you know, dictates every move that you can make in the organization. And when you have a strong foundation of core values that, you know, everyone knows and um, holds each other accountable to, that eliminates the need, you know, for the micromanagement, for the, you know, the shackles that get put on by, by a policies and procedure manual. And that, at the end of the day, it, as you know, we, we kind of adhere to that, the, the Daniel Pink um, sort of philosophy of what really motivates people and autonomy being really one of them. You have to earn your autonomy through really showing that you understand those core values and can and live, live um, by them when you're here. Um, but, you know, that starts with the, the interview process and, and showing through the interview process that you do understand what we're trying to accomplish, that you have that servant's heart, that you, you know, you do have true get group true grid and that you are a hard worker um, and are willing to put in the time and effort that it's going to take to to get us to where we want to go yeah, yeah it's absolutely. so crucial it's... the interview process because every person changes your culture adds to your culture strengthens your culture and I really think companies often start out focused on culture and then as they get bigger, it's like, well, that's a lot of overhead to interview people in that way. You know, we're bigger now. And so they, they let go of that. And, you know, in my prior companies, I was always the last stop on the interview circuit. And I never asked any questions about qualifications because I assumed the team had qualified them for the job. And I focused on culture. And there was one gotcha question, which I will reveal to all your listeners in case which is I asked every single applicant a question. I said, it's the end of it's your first day. And you step off the elevator and there's three people standing there. 
I'm the CEO and I'm standing there and I need your help with something. Our founder is standing there because I've always had the, you know, the privilege of partnering with founders and he needs you for something uh, really urgent. And then someone from the help desk is standing there and they need your help too. What do you do? And if they didn't pick the person that needed help with the customer, if they picked hierarchy or they picked power, we were done. If they didn't answer the frontline person serving the customer, done, not a fit for us. So I think this investment in hiring for culture, hiring for fit is crucial. And uh, too many companies uh, lose their way as they get bigger. And I think a lot, a lot of companies never start on the right path in the first place. I mean, at, at this point, um, to kind of bring it back to data again, and we've we've done some research on this at UpDoc, and uh, especially on millennials, it it's it's not there's no guesswork to it anymore. It's it's very much science and data of what what the largest job force wants at this point, and it, it is autonomy, it's ownership mentality, it, it's the ability to make day-to-day decisions that help the overall company. But like you said, Heidi and, and Nancy, it's you need to make sure you have the right people in there to give them the best possible chance to do that and do that successfully and properly without without really being forced and to resort to micromanaging. Yeah, and I think I think the other because we have a large percentage of our uh, employee base uh, that are millennials, and I think one of the other things that really attracts them to WebPT is that you know first and foremost we don't we we obviously are a for-profit company, but that's not really what we talk about. Um, we don't talk about you know how much profit we're going to make from this sale. We don't talk about you know how much you know uh, revenue that every every item that we have is going to is going to produce. We talk about the value that we're providing physical therapists. We're talking about you know the 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 bigger vision of what we're trying to create in, in, in disrupting the physical therapy industry and changing the way um, that physical therapists think about documentation and you know being able to prove their value to insurance companies and um, you know making their jobs easier so they can go back to doing what they love best and treating patients right and so um, you know having that sort of intentional um, company that's really about doing good and changing the world um, and, and not just saying that to say it, but actually, you know, having it as part of your core values and, and, and demonstrating that through philanthropy and everything else that we're involved with, I think is, is critical this, in this day and age for even the smallest clinic um, that's a startup, you know, physical therapy clinic to, to be thinking about and talking about with these therapists that are, you know, just coming out of PT school, the new grads, the fresh PTs, if you will, um, because that's what they're looking for too. They're looking for, you know, obviously benefits and, and salary are important, but I think a lot of times they'll, they'll be a little bit forgiving in those areas when you truly have a culture that they can feel like they belong um, and that they're going to make a difference in the world. I think that last point is crucial, is that people want to be not just a job, right? They don't want to make widgets. They want to be inspired by the mission of the company that they are with. And certainly that's part of my story. I started my career actually in investment banking. And 
Um, it was a very interesting industry, and it taught me a lot about finance and structuring transactions, but to me it was soulless. There was no mission other than uh, to make money. But one thing I love about healthcare is the understanding that these things are not incompatible. So there are many uh, faith-based hospital systems, many not-for-profit hospital systems that are very focused on the mission. But as I once had a steely-eyed nun tell me, Nancy, no margin, no mission. And so it's not incompatible to be mission-driven while also uh, making sure that you can invest and grow your, your business so that then you can play that forward and pay that forward. And especially because um, you're you're entrenched in in this industry, right? YPT is not some outsider, some some company that's that did some market research and and said that oh hey, uh, we we think that there's there's room for growth in this company, which I'm, obviously you did when you were first starting out. But it's because you were a physical therapist, and and it, it really does make a difference to kind of be an insider to be part of the community to grow a company within that but i think what's really what's really cool um to again to kind of bring it back to technology is you you were one of the first um to grow a a a true startup to have that entrepreneur that scale mentality that that's still really lacking in this field right now because we are very much a small business industry and yes there there's obviously um hospital based there's, there's bigger companies but it's still very much of how do we grow as a small business versus how do we have kind of insane scaling and um, and and high rate growth, which just that that mindset isn't really there. And I, I think WebPT more more than most are really pushing that and driving that with a very West Coast mentality as well. Of like you said, we want to change the world and we want to grow, not just for the sake of growing, but for growth in order to X, Y, and Z. Well, if we do this well, we can help therapists retain the option to be entrepreneurial, to practice in whatever practice setting uh, they want, whether it's solo practice or small group practice, but uh, help them be successful in whatever setting they choose because we bring that large company sophistication in the background to them. So we enable them to kind of punch above their weight in terms of negotiating with payers, demanding better reimbursement, Proving the positive impact that they are having on the quality of care, and by the way, you know, lower cost, uh, better for the patient than classic interventional modalities like surgery and drugs. So I think we can help people be retain the power of choice, but help the entire industry play at a more sophisticated level and on a more level level playing field with hospitals people who are referring to them with payers. And I think that's really important for the, the ongoing health of uh, their practices and of our industry. Definitely. Yeah, and it's really about you know, kind of a rising tide raises all boats mentality, right? I mean, we definitely have, have enjoyed a lot of success, but it's sharing that knowledge. It's sharing uh, and, and bringing um, partners in to, you know, continue to, to um, expand our platform. But at the same time, you know, they're enjoying the success of now being partnered with one, uh, with the biggest electronic medical record in the industry, right? And so um, having that sort of community-based mentality, I think, is is really critical uh, for us as a you know wanting to continue to grow and and be innovative in in what we're offering in our platform. 
um, because we can't do it all, right? There's some really great companies out there that are coming up with some amazing ideas solving great problems. Um, and so being able to have access and partner with those types of folks through our interoperability program, partnership program that we're gonna continue to develop, I think is, is critical. Um, but as a founder, Gene, I mean, to be able to come into your own industry and cause the the disruption that we have had, I mean, honestly, this is this is my legacy, and um, you know, you once you've kind of had that bit of taste of success and and um, seen the impact that we've had in in my own industry and in my own profession, like it's it's like crack cocaine. Like you just, you can't get enough. You just want to keep going. Like there's so much more for us to do. You know what I mean? You just, you, you, you can't just stop and say, okay, well, I'm done. I'm, you know, I'm, I've, I've checked the box and, and it's just, there's, there's always something more that you can do. And I think that just comes, stems from who we are as therapists, that we're always there to help and we want to, you know, help people. Well, we're now helping our industry. We're helping my my colleagues, my the you know, the the profession as a, as a whole. And so, uh, it's it's sometimes I still have to pinch myself. It's a it's been an amazing ride, but there's just so much more. And I'm again, I'll just I'll say just now with Nancy at the home as our CEO, like j the opportunities are just uh, so much more tangible now uh, of you know, what we're going to be able to do here in the very, very near future with data play, with the interoperability components, um, you know, being able to, to now look at the whole uh, episode and continuum of care of the patient from, you know, the time they enter the health care system and how physical therapy, um, you know, fits into that larger picture uh, is, just, is just awesome. Now, now, Heidi, you know you're going to set me off because you said the I word interoperability <laughs> yeah. and there are so many ways for the industry to grow and one of them is closer interconnectivity with everyone in the care continuum around the same patient and so our ability to provide those connectors to provide seamless bi-directional uh, integration of data um, ranging from patient demographics to clinical information to uh, you know, insurance information is something we're doing a good job of now, but uh, given my background, certainly something I think you'll see us uh, invest a lot in in the next coming year. So opening up our platform more easily to partners, you know, providing more API opportunities. Because as Heidi said, you know, while we're proud of what we've done, we know that innovation will come from many others in our industry, and we want them to be able to join our community and dock into our platform. So I'm really excited about where we can go as we uh, invest in more and more large-scale interoperability opportunities. That's awesome. I mean, it, it only makes sense, right? Once you get so good at your core competency, there, there's only so many other PTs you can kind of plug into that. But, but it becomes a bit of a blue ocean in what you can accomplish with the potential, like you said, partners and opening up the APIs a little bit. Um, so let, let's kind of finish out with um, two questions, one along those lines and then one more personal. Um, wh what kind of blue ocean opportunities do you see potentially with the market of PT? Like as you, as you mentioned, you've been collecting a ton of data. You've, you've been driving the profession forward in a lot of ways uh, through technology and innovation. Wh wh what do you see for some other potential companies or really entrepreneur-driven 
physical therapists that are kind of coming through and, and seeing some opportunities, where, where could they lie for them? Well, we're obviously focused right now a lot on the outcomes platform and driving a lot of data-driven uh, uh, decision-making based on some of the outcomes data and the clinical data. Um, I think, you know, with the emphasis on direct access, um, there's been, a, you know, the, the buzzword now is patient engagement um, and how to continue to have a relationship with that patient that goes beyond just the time that they're in your clinic. So it's, you know, true uh, consumer-based marketing uh, to, you know, have a database of, of potential patients, um, having a web presence, um, all those types of things. So making that as easy as, as possible, I think, um, is, is going to be big in the next few years. Um, you know, we're moving into a world of bundled payments. And so understanding how to best navigate through um, some of the different payment options that are, are, are going to be coming down the pike. I mean, we're already seeing it, obviously, with the total joint um, uh, bundle payments that are coming through currently. And then the last one is telehealth. Um, for me, I think that is something that is going to be critical um, for physical therapists to be a part of um, and to be able to understand how to do it in a way that does not diminish our skilled um, knowledge and abilities because um, I don't ever think that we're going to go away completely from the manual hands-on component of physical therapy but I think that there potentially is a lot of cost savings um, in the ability for us to do things differently using a telehealth platform to do exercise instruction, monitor, you know, um, different aspects of their home program, um, and, you know, potentially even teach new things uh, via, uh, you know, a, a web presence. Uh, it's happening right now in wellness quite a bit, you know, with um, the different, you know, things that you can do over the internet, yoga classes, uh, exercise classes, all kinds of things that, that people are doing. Um, it, you know, just via the, the internet. And so I think that sure. there's definitely a lot of uh, potential in, in that area as well. Yeah, I have to jump on that last point because I am really excited about where we might go with uh, telehealth coming to the rehab industry. Uh, at my last uh, company, I was part of a division, so uh, we had a family of companies. Uh, one of our companies launched a, an online Know, digital platform for patients, which was a complete reimagining of what we've done before. And by providing you know, positive reinforcement, all the materials rewritten from a motivational style, by providing some gamification, some rewards, uh, by launching digital coaching, it was unbelievable that the change in a six month period. We had almost a million digital coaching visits in that period. We had people stay on the site for you know, 15, 20 minutes, taking multiple classes, and we had people joining the groups that they attached to, where now they have a commitment to one another. So we saw compliance with the recommended treatments uh, going up significantly. And so I think there's a revolution waiting to happen to help people maintain their best health throughout their lifetime. And you might come in and out of needing hands-on help, which I certainly need right now. <laughs> but, you know, I'm now attached to my therapist as my primary care person. 
I love my PCP, but I see her maybe 30 minutes a year. I've seen Amy Brannon, shout out, you know, seven hours already. And I would love to stay connected with her now as a key member of my care team forever. So I think there's huge opportunity there. Yeah, Gina, if I can throw one more thing in, I think um, the wearables uh, component of being able to track data um, you know, with a patient of what they're doing, you know, their heart rates, blood pressures, all those things when they're just doing their normal activities of daily living, I think is also going to play into our primary care role as we continue to evolve um, and become more responsible for the patient for longer periods of time. Um, I think that's also going to uh, have a huge impact in our ability to truly understand better and potentially help the patient more long term um, with with some of the wearable components and some options in the future, right? Of of the wearables uh, of you know becoming more sophisticated in terms of us being able to do range of motion based on wearables and things like that, where um, it's not just about the goniometer or inclinometer anymore. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's. It's a, a matter of time. It's not an if, it's a when. Like we know the Internet of Things is exploding year to year. Um, the growth is insane. And it, it really comes down to us stepping away of tradition and what was and really focusing on what will be and not being afraid of that, not being afraid of change. And we have to be where the market is. And I think that's something we struggle with a little bit. We're, we're not where the people are. We're, we're trying to be where we think the people uh, were. Um, so I think I completely agree with you. I think the integration of technology like like wearables um, and, uh, you know, how long before Under Armour comes out with shirts that are absolutely, you know, drenched in sensors and connecting right. to a smartwatch. And there, there's just so many things. And it, it, it will ultimately come back down to tracking that data, tra tracking the outcomes, because we're in, if we think we're getting a lot of data now, five years from now, it's going to be an entirely different world. Totally. Well, and I think it's really also being keen on knowing what our clinical expertise is and not, you know, wanting to hold on to so many things, but truly defining what makes a physical therapist a physical therapist, right? And what our scope of, 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 um, practice, I guess, is in our skill set that we bring to the table, because, as those things start to creep in, right, you could feel like you're being marginalized in terms of, oh, well, anyone can do range of motion. I don't need to be there to do range of motion. Well, yeah, that's right. But it's the range of motion numbers and knowing what the norms are and how to improve that range of motion is truly the skill set that we bring to the table, not getting our goniometer out and measuring range of motion, right? And so kind of coming to grips with what is that true skill set that we bring to the table um, is really, I think, in the, in the very near future, going to be important for us to define and really come together as a profession to stick to. Um, I think, you know, we're just, we're not known right now for playing very nice in the sandbox with others and really trying to, to hoard a lot of things that we think we, that are, you know, that we're good at. Um, but we really need to clearly define who we are as a profession and have an understanding of what that is and, and be able to fight for it as we continue, as technology continues to creep in and some of our more traditional things that we consider part of our tool belt, I think are going to go away. 
Definitely. I mean, let, let, let's touch on that on the telehealth. I mean, uh, t- to me, I, I think the the real skill, the real the real superpower of physical therapists is the ability to take very uh, large amounts of complex science and information and distill it to very understandable, easily uh, digested, uh, relevant pieces to people, therefore making a connection instantly. Like I always say that physical therapists are the worst, best salespeople in the world. Like we are, we're clinically trained to get people to do things and to understand things and, and to connect and to sell within minutes of, of meeting somebody. But we, we never take that to the next to the next level we never really internalize that so if we can take that telehealth piece and again outcomes and data we have plenty of data to show how how important the education piece is of taking a fear of the unknown away from people have given them hope to given them given them a chance to to improve in whatever they're struggling with now and that doesn't mean you have to put your hands on them that just means you have to have that connection and i think telehealth gives that opportunity and that's scalable beyond what we have now Absolutely. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes, you know, comes from baseball about the knuckleball. To gain power, you must first give up control. I love that. And so, you know, perhaps the industry needs to give up some control of things that have traditionally been within their domain to throw open the doors to serving so many more people and serving them differently. Maybe it's just... I can't take time off from work twice a week to come in physically, but I could do 15 minutes a day from home. So I think maybe the blue ocean is created by the industry giving up some control to gain power and influence over a much broader sector of the healthcare uh, space. And then there's all sorts of ways we could innovate inside that idea together. Totally agree. Totally agree. It might, it might even be perception of control. You might not even have that control, but just to, just to be able to shed that anchor and to move forward that that's it's tough it's tough to to, to kind of move forward that's why not everyone yeah. does it shedding that anchor of well this is the way we've always done it we have to continue to do it that way right yeah or what if it goes wrong what if yeah. i lose this what if i don't do that what if what if what if what if and mm-hmm. uh, that's br- that's a brutal way to live life totally so l- let's finish out on a more personal note and not, not super personal. Don't don't get nervous. Um, <laughs> a few a few months ago, we did uh, a podcast with my buddy Jeff Moore, and Jeff and I we we talked a lot about work life balance. And to to be fair, Jeff and I are kind of insane in how much we work and put in time. And um, you know, thank God that my wife puts up with me, and I have two two little kids, four and a half and seven months. But we make it work. It, we we find that it's quality time, and it's not necessarily just adding the hours. It's not always easy, but it's, it, you know, we, we make it work. Um, we, we got a lot of feedback. We got a lot of comments and we got a lot of requests to kind of pose that, that question or, and have that conversation with women business owners. So I, I did. I had uh, Tracy Schur on and I asked her that. And I, I actually prefaced that by saying, like, I felt uncomfortable <laughs> even having the, the, you know, creating a, a division between men and women that I had to even say, well, why is it different for women? Um, because, I feel, you know, people are people. People work. Women, men work. But then I started doing research, and I think it's because I have a daughter. My, my youngest is a daughter. And I really started to see this huge, huge issue with um, with women in the workforce. And I, I mean, I was living under a rock. I was there's no way, there's no other way to say it. I mean, I was I was absolutely living under a rock. 
So I, I, I would really love to pose that question to you. Like, how, how do you make that work-life balance? How do you make it work? What, what have you seen as, as women, as leaders, as, as, um, as growing the company? And, and am I kind of justified in feeling weird that to even say, like, as, as women, how is it different for you? Like, sh- should it even be something like that? Well, I'll start and say, you know, I've never uh, liked the phrase work-life balance because to me that implies a trade-off. And I really think about work-life integration. Work is my life. It is a key part of who I am, my identity, my joy, my frustration, my happiness. It's really fused together. And so for me, it's just been finding a rhythm that works for my family. and that rhythm's been different at different points in my life, of course. But I think if you embrace it as integration, then the stress falls away. So maybe you need to be home at five because that's when you have dinner. Uh, maybe you need to be at the soccer field, um, you know, for many, many hours. If you have a, you'll find out. Chief. <laughs> uh, no soccer, no. But people, <laughs> people America. make it happen. <laughs> Football and. Football. I, I have uh, worked with many uh, executives, men and women, who've done fine work from the sidelines of soccer games and swim meets and uh, hockey tournaments. And at night after their children go to bed and in the morning, you know, early on. So I think you just have to find your own rhythm. Um, I personally don't really feel that it's different for me because I am a woman, that the way I need to make it work is different than my husband. but I'm blessed, 30 years uh, married to the wonderful Mr. Ham, who has always been incredibly supportive. So maybe it's like hiring for culture. You know, I, I married for someone who was going to be supportive in my journey for uh, work-life integration. And so uh, you started your hiring work. process with your husband. He was the first, <laughs> he was number one. You know, there were a lot of interviews, but uh, he did pretty well. But the third interview, uh, his chances were looking good. Got on good. you. Got on you. <laughs> I could play. I love that. I love the integration piece versus um, versus work-life balance. What do you think, Heidi? Yeah, no, I 100% agree, and I also agree with you in terms of um, it's about the quality of time and the the presence when you know I am spending time with my daughter, for example, um, or my husband and I have a date night. It's about you know being 100% present um, and oblivious to everything else in that moment to give 100% of my uh, dedicated time to to doing whatever I'm doing with, with her or him, um, or us, you know, as a, as if it's a family event. Um, but when I'm at work, I'm 100%, you know, committed to, to what I'm doing at work. Um, so, it, it, and then I'll, I'll just say on the integration, that's how, you know, Brad and I have, have thought about you know uh, at, when we had Ava that we love to, to do things we love to travel um, and so rather than completely changing our life to accommodate oh well kids can't do this and we have to go to only certain restaurants and no we we didn't think that way like we love going to sushi restaurants well you know what Ava's gonna love sushi and she's gonna love traveling and she's going to you know we're gonna go to five-star restaurants and she's gonna be well behaved at the table um and so I I think it's just a different uh, maybe not different so much but our mindset of 
how we approach things to to fully integrate her into our lives and not the other way around where we're just completely integrating into a kid's life you know what i mean um oh i know what you mean and i think heidi said something really important which is the be present at wherever you are in that moment i think where people create a lot of stress is they try to multitask they try to be at dinner but checking their email they try to be um you know, talking to their child, but they're reading their text. And that for sure I have found mm -hmm. does not work for me. I am 100% in whatever modality I'm on. And in fact, you know, my husband knows if it's the weekend and I want to catch up on work, I literally say, honey, I'm going into zone. <laughs> He's like, got it. When, when might you be reemerging? And I'll say, oh, you know, in two hours, got it. And I go in the zone and I'm focused and I get a lot done. And then I come out and I'm not checking my phone. I am with my husband hiking or biking or uh, I like sushi too. Who doesn't, eating sushi. Who doesn't yeah. like sushi? What kind of weirdo <laughs> doesn't know. like sushi? So that might be our mutual tip, which is don't try to intermingle, you know, integrate them, but focus on whatever you're doing in that moment. And that, that's hard because that's something I struggle with and I know I, I shouldn't, but it still happens. I think what, mm -hmm. what, what I've worked on is... is trying not to be guilty when it happens just to know look I, I can do better next time or at this point my son calls me out he's like dad put your phone away then I'm like <laughs> oh, okay 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 fair fair enough uh, so he, he he calls me out which which helps like it hurts but it helps as well and um, I, I feel like to, to have a balance you first need to understand what an imbalance feels like I think a lot of a lot of times especially new grads we talk with it's a fear of theirs to what what the work life balance will be like, and I was like, look, you really have no idea what an imbalance is. You don't you don't know what works, what doesn't work, and it it becomes a bit arbitrary. It's like comparing success to somebody else, and you have no idea what they've been through. You know, like you need to experience it and see what works for you. Yeah, and um, I think part of it too is is prioritizing what is most important to you, and you know, if you're you know a numbers person and and you know kind of carving out in it and it's not going to be the same necessarily every week but if you're saying for example if that your family is a big priority for you um, and I think a lot of us, of us live by our calendar one thing that's that's kind of helped me to reflect is now going back and looking at my calendar if I'm saying you know what uh, this is a huge priority for me um, going back and reflecting on what is my last two weeks of my calendar look like is that reflected as a priority in my calendar right and so saying to yourself that yeah my family is a priority but then you know sitting at the table with your phone or you know when you have family time scheduled and that this is that's what you're supposed to be doing but you're really not um, I think that that's just a check and balance for yourself uh, like you said of really understanding what those imbalance feel like um, and you it's gonna be noticeable I think if you're really purposeful and, and intentional with with you know the priorities that you're setting for yourself that's one of the great things about being an entrepreneur though too is that you set your own schedules <laughs> for better and for worse Absolutely. for better and for worse yes. for better for you know, the, the last comment I might make you know maybe uh, for uh, female listeners is I absolutely agree with Heidi. You can have, quote unquote, it all. You know, I think you have to recognize you might not have it all in perfect proportions at every moment of your life. You're talking about a 40 year work career. You're talking about, you know, 20 years of child raising. And so 
you have to recognize that you're in different phases of your life and those priorities and those proportions need to morph and that's the phase you're in and then you 10 years from now you'll be in a completely different phase so you know luckily i think now there's so many more uh, paths for people in terms of when they start their career you know if they want to start a family when did they do that and they there's more optionality you know it used to be sort of everybody was expected to do the same things the same way at the same time you know at the same age and so you know cut yourselves a break would be my a comment that whatever phase you're in is going to drive uh, what your priorities are and that's okay yes and do it for yourself and and what your family um values and and not setting expectations based on what other people think you should be doing um because i think especially i have seen that happen a lot in moms that there's this expectation of what you should be like um and you know you're an individual whatever seems to work best for your family and know that that is is um, allowing your kids or your relationship with your significant other to thrive, well, that works for you. And you, sh- you shouldn't feel guilty or ashamed or anything like that. It's what works for you. Be proud, right, of, of your success in, in what you've been able to accomplish and the longevity of your relationship because you have a great one that, you know, you've worked together to, to find that normal that is for you. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe my last concrete piece of advice is just plan ahead. I love to travel, and so I just book it. I'm already booking into 2018. (laughs) That was one of my first requests when I got to WebPT is give me all the dates for 2017 Mm -hmm. for conferences and major things because I'm going to book my travel because then what happens is there's never a good time, but the time arrives, and it's booked, and I get on a plane and go, and here's the most important thing. Gee. The company did not stop working while I was gone. It did not fall apart. The world didn't stop spinning. You know, I, I think sometimes we all have a uh, a slightly overinflated uh, opinion of what will happen if we don't work that week. Or that's the whole point of having an empowered team. If you can't take a week's vacation, then something's wrong. You know, you have um, you're micromanaging. You're not delegating, you're not empowered, something's wrong. So just schedule ahead to do whatever you want to do, and when that day comes, go do it. That's a great barometer of a healthy business. If, if you can pass kind of the school bus test, is you know, if, you, if you're crossing the street and the school bus runs you over and kills you, will your business survive? If the answer is no, you have a <laughs> shitty business. I, per, I prefer the analogy that you want to go to Fiji for a week. <laughs> okay, fa- fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Yours is less morbid. I'll go with it. <laughs> All right. Well, it's a, it's a great way to finish out, and um, I, I totally agree. I know my, my wife, Jamie, she's uh, she's kind of caught me up on some of the mommy shaming that uh, that she's uh, sh- read on Facebook, and she's like, wow, you, you got to read this. I was like, why? It, it's just, that's terrible. Like, it's, it just sounds terrible, yeah. everything that goes on, and uh, I, I, I don't get it, but I guess it's just human psychology that some, some of us are just negative and, and need to bring other people down. Yeah. But on a positive note, Nancy, welcome to our dysfunctional yet awesome physical therapy family and community. Um, you're, you're definitely in, in the shining star of the, of the profession, World Web PT, and um, I'm really, really excited to, to see what the next few years bring and, and how we evolve and some of the cool technology that, that comes out of it. Well, thank you so much. It's been an incredibly 
warm and welcoming industry, and I'm thrilled to be here not only uh, at WebPT, but now as a member of the, the rehab industry. So thanks. Awesome. And uh, Heidi, I'll, I'll see you in, uh, in an Uber car at the next conference. <laughs> Sounds good, Gene. We really appreciate you having us on today, and, and thank you for your support and your advocacy and, and um, just being a raving fan of WebPT. We appreciate what you're doing for the industry as well. You, you guys have definitely made your mark in, in uh, introducing a lot of really important concepts, um, and so congratulations on all your success as well with UpTalk Media. Well, thank you. Thank you. You guys don't make it hard to, to like you, so <laughs> it's not a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, till next time. All right, hope you enjoyed that episode of Therapy Insiders podcast with guests Heidi Janenga and Nancy Ham from WebPT. Ton of stuff to take take from it, from work life balance to uh, future of physical therapy and telehealth and technology and advice on company growth. It's a lot of cool stuff. So let, let us know what you thought. As always, tweet at us at Therapy Insiders for me at UpDoc Media. Uh, if you want to hit up one of my co-hosts who are not on this episode at JoeDPT or for Urson at the OMPT, let us know. Next week, we have the final episode in this little future mini arc, but it's also our 100th episode. I know, crazy. And we got none other than Dr. Tim Flynn to be our guest to talk about the future of clinic and the clinical world and healthcare. So it's a really cool episode. You're really, really going to like it. And we're also going to do a little special giveaway for our 100th episode, a little contest. You're going to want to check that out. So thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know what you thought. You can find at WebPT. You can also find WebPT at www.webpt.com at Heidi Janenga for Twitter. We're going to get Nancy on Twitter. It's my, my new mission in life. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week on Therapy Insiders. <laughs>